All right, friends, we're back now to the second part of our two-part episode. Let's get into it. So for me, what I've tried to instill in my kids while they grow up is some things that generationally that I hope they carry on, some traditions. It's funny because at school they have multicultural night, and so you get to learn about other people's cultures, and it's really cool. It really opens up the kids to other parts of the world. But then they send home this thing, and they're like, what traditions do you do? And it really made you sit down and think about what you do. One thing that one of my kids put up is we put up a Halloween tree. So we put up the Christmas tree and put Halloween decorations on it every year. Yeah, it's fun. It's something that they look forward to. And we make ornaments out of clay and stuff. I think more on a spiritual sense, I'm really big into tea. And I have been forever. My mom was very big medicinally, um, home remedies and whatnot. So I've always kind of taught them growing up without even thinking about it because it was a tradition I carried on generationally from my mom and she got from her mom so if my kids aren't feeling good and they're like can you make me some tea i would always put cinnamon in it so that they would like it (laughs) but then medicinally i will peppermint is good for this or jc's wife had told me about elderberries if you make an elderberry syrup it's very good for coating the throat i taught them that and having them involved in the kitchen like you were talking about and having them cook meals it's not just about that it's about creating a tradition that's not only healthy mentally but physically and spiritually and i know some households are christian or very muslim and that's beautiful saudi one of the questions on there that we didn't read was about spirituality i would have loved to have been raised without religion with religion the way i look at it as adults Mm-hmm. Our frontal lobe is completely developed where you're able to understand the words and the things and the traditions within it yes. and the rituals within it as an adult. And we're able to understand the metaphor behind it yeah. and the spiritual meaning of whatever religion you're into. Mm-hmm. But as a child, they can't really comprehend all of that. And a lot of times in household, it gets used as a weapon yeah and then they tell the kids well god's always watching or you're gonna get in trouble or you're gonna go to hell for that and they terrify the children into behaving and it becomes and then it becomes something that they're afraid of and then they grow up later in life and they shun very religion Mm -hmm. that their family is into and then they become the black sheep of the family and Mm -hmm. things like that some of the most strong morally compassed individuals i know are religious or Mm -hmm. or spiritual i think one of the pitfalls that i see with early indoctrination is not allowing room for conversation and questioning different things like well why do you think this way and being able to try to explain yourself for instance me and my wife are vegetarians and my daughter is not she never has been and i'm not trying to totally compare the way that we eat to religion even though there are ties to those types Mm -hmm. of practices and stuff like praying over your food and whatnot just being able to leave room for that discussion to allow space to where if she ever does want to become a vegetarian Mm -hmm. it's an open door but it's also an open door for her to eat bugs or whatever she decides (laughs) you know (laughs) and then if you don't leave that room to be curious and to question things then I think what ends up happening is it it creates like a gap of uh, shame distrust Mm -hmm. and then lack of communication and I think all three of those things should be nipped in the butt and tackled head-on because it can lead to serious yeah resentment and just serious personal issues and relationship issues I think that's a bummer that this individual didn't have a good religious experience yeah that's so so well put (laughs) (laughs) I was just like that was so well put 
I agree 100%. When I talk about brainwashing, I mean like when you're shoving it and saying, no, this is what you have to do. And there's no conversation. There's no understanding. Right, this is the way our family does it. So mm. that's all there is. Yeah. And you know. so then that child is then not learning the connection that they're supposed to be. Because as an omnius, I believe that you said this, JC, earlier in the episode, it's all different mm. paths to love. And there is no love in creating a soldier, mm-hmm. somebody that you can control into doing what you want. That's not love. That's control. And I think that's the part where this person, I could guess, probably went through that. For me, I grew up very spiritual. I've talked about it on the show before. And then when I was 16, my parents got saved in Pentecostal church. And there are parts of that church I can look back on and like seeing people get filled with the spirit and talk in tongues. And I did feel a presence there. But because it was so politically driven and just my dad, he tried to put a lot of shame in me for not getting baptized when my sister and my parents did because they were embarrassed. And that's not what that should be about. It should be a personal choice. Yeah, I think it becomes very reflective of like an authoritarian style of parenting. Exactly. And our topic today is conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but yeah, I think there's conversation is definitely worth having yeah like my kids i want you to study everything they mm-hmm. ask me do you believe in god and they ask me the questions and I'm, i got books on my shelf we can talk about it as long as you're asking questions and as long as you're learning everything you can about every religion and if you decide you want to be muslim or jewish or christian when you're older i will support you 100 mm-hmm. percent. that's how i was with my kids mm-hmm. pretty much too We're going to have to discipline our kids Mm -hmm. at some point, but it's the way that we discipline our kids that's a little bit different with the conscious parenting. The conscious parent is all about recognizing the anger and emotions inside of us, and then we discipline ourselves before we go to our children. Yeah. Yes, the child needs guidelines and boundaries, but only after we have disciplined the rage that we feel inside of us Mm -hmm. first and deal with that, and then we go to the child. So we can't come to them when we haven't regulated our own emotions first. Yeah, because they have a Swiss cheese brain. (laughs) They can't regulate their emotions. Right. If we're not emotionally stable in the moment and then we come at them when we're not ready, Mm -hmm. we're going to nine times out of ten end up abusing them, either physically or emotionally. Yeah. And doing some damage. And then we're going to look back on that 20 minutes later when we calm down. We're going to be like, oh, my God, I could have done that like ten different ways. Yeah. I did not need to act like that with my kid because we haven't calmed down and regulated our emotions yet. You said that one time. You were like, I have to get outside of my ego before Mm -hmm. I go back and talk to your daughter. And I took that and was like, ooh, yeah, I need to take that advice and reflect on it mm-hmm. because there's a lot of times I'm in my ego. Yeah, and then there's other times where we think we're doing the right thing. I'm old school. Yeah. So I remember when my kids were little, I think I just had JC as a matter of fact, and I was at a pediatric visit with him at the doctor, and somehow me and the nurse got to talking about discipline and stuff like that. She's like, I have a secret for you. All you have to do is hit your kid one good time with a belt, and you'll never have to hit him again. It's beautiful. And I was like, okay, well, how does that work? And she's like, well, you hit him, just beat him really good. Don't kill him or anything. Just beat him. She's a nurse at a pediatric. (laughs) And how many women she told, I don't know, but I was like 20 years old. I was pretty young. She's like, hit him. And then after that, if they start to act up, All you have to do is go get the belt. So that gives you a few minutes to calm down. You don't want to hit them with your hands because that's out of instinct. She said you give the kids food with your hands. You love them with your hands. So you use an object, a belt. And then after you've hurt them with the belt once, you'll never have to hit them again because they have fear inside of them with it. You go get the belt and put it down and they'll immediately behave. 
And I was like, oh, shit. It sounded so good. Yeah. It sounded like the best advice I could ever have. But JC was such a good kid that I never got to hit him. Right? So... <laughs> He was just like not a bad it's kid, he's right? Intuitive, right? He's like, knows. I was in there listening. I might have been too, but I heard you. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, he was about five years old, and he lied to me, and I was like, Oh my god, I get to use the belt thing because he lied to me, and that's one thing because of my own damage because yep. of shadow work that I had to do within that. That lying to me was the worst possible thing you could do, and I would not gonna let my son to grow up to be a liar. Yeah. So this is when I was unhealed. Yeah. So I went and I calmed down and I got the belt and I told him to go to his room. I'm going to give him a spanking, which he had never received before in his life. I go into the room and he is shaking. He is terrified. His face is bright red. He's crying. He's mommy, please, please don't hit me, mommy, please. And he is so scared. It's like gripping onto the bed. And I look at my child and I started to cry. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't hit him. And like, I really wanted to <laughs> wanted finally to use the, yeah. Yeah, the belt technique or whatever. So I lay down in bed with him and I just held him until he stopped shaking. And once he was calmed down, I told him, you hurt mommy's heart by lying to me. You yeah. hurt me. And we're both just laying there crying and I'm just holding my baby. I think that that actually did more than if I would have just hit him with that belt. Oh, yeah. Because sure. I would have hit him with the belt and that would have been all wrong. But I actually showed him that I have emotion too. That, yeah. that hurt my heart and then I forgave him yeah and so that was a learning experience for me and I have to admit I am old school and I did end up using that technique yeah. at some point because it was driven in my brain that that was a good and idea and a nurse told you that to do <laughs> and I'm from the south and everybody hits their yeah. kids I had a way different mentality back then so I did hit my kids but I love but I, I did use that belt thing and it worked you guys like I my kids would be acting crazy jumping all over the place fighting each other <laughs> And I would go grab the belt and just set it down on the counter and look at it. But what I didn't realize was how much damage that was doing to my kids. Yeah. That was an authoritative technique. Yeah. My kids weren't responding because they understood. They were responding because it was fear. Yeah. They were afraid. But I think it's good to talk about because there are other people that have thought that way too. So if Mm -hmm. I'm even reaching out to one person, then it makes a difference. Like, hey, this is what I did and Mm -hmm. you can't really change it now. You can just heal and grow and have the tools. I can contest to one of the points my mom made about not lying to her and how much she drilled that into our heads. There'd be so many countless situations where we would just rather not be forthcoming with the truth. I personally always was. And no matter how messed up or bad or how much I don't think she would have understood, she was always loving. And that sent me the signal that I could trust her. Mm-hmm. I've definitely instilled that with my daughter. And that's a standard that she set for me that I'm setting for her. And so it's super significant when she comes to me that I have to be able to accept her and love her on that same level too. Granted, she's a kid, but the reason why I find so much value in this is because when I did get older as a teenager, we're hanging out and doing things that teenagers do, experimenting with random stuff Mm -hmm. and sneaking out and stuff like that. My mom always knew what I was doing and where I was and who I was with. My friends did not have that. Yeah. Their parents had no clue where they were, who they were with. Or what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And even if my mom didn't approve of the things that we were doing, at least she had the peace of mind that if the cops came knocking on the door, she was fully aware of the situation prior 
Mm-hmm. To me, that was so scary. I'm like, dude, your guys' mom has no clue where you're at and what you're doing. Yeah. Like, dude, what if something happens? Where you're yeah. gone? And if you were drinking at a party like teenagers do, you could actually call your mom to come pick you up instead of drive home and kill yourself or other people. Yeah, we actually mm-hmm. have that policy where mm-hmm. if there was ever that situation to never get into a car with a drunk driver, mm-hmm. and I would come get him no questions asked. Yeah. yeah. And he's right. Like, his friends would come knocking on his window at, like, midnight. Like, dude, come sneak out. And he would come and get me and be like, hey, like my friends are at the window. We want to go to the woods or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, come back and check in an hour so I know you're okay. They would come back and check in an hour. He just couldn't believe that his friend's parents. (laughs) Then by having to be so honest that luckily all the crazy stuff that I did, I avoided the pitfalls and actually getting in serious trouble like a lot of my friends did, unfortunately, because they didn't have someone that they could be open with. I had friends that lost their lives because Mm. of that. Yeah. Because they got in the car and drove because they didn't have. Or just not having that strong support system within mm-hmm. their parental family where they felt like they had to sneak around. Where JC would come to me and be like, hey, we're doing this. And then I would at least have time to instill some values within his mind and be mm-hmm. like, have you thought about what would happen if this happened? Mm-hmm. And sometimes he would be like, oh, shit, I'm not going to go. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And with the other friends that he had that couldn't talk to their parents, all they had was their friends, their peers. Oh, yeah. So what led to bad things and going to jail mm-hmm. and doing really bad things. And then I'm out enjoying myself while they're feeling sketch and shame and all these things. And guilt. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then plus she's probably done everything I've done probably right so it's like for me to come up with something she's just like okay heard that one before you know (laughs) so there's something there too what's crazy is for me as a teenager i was a pretty dang good kid but my dad accused me a lot just doing stuff that i wasn't doing and then finally Mm -hmm. my senior year after basketball season i was like screw it i'm gonna go party yeah you're already accusing me me. so the line of communication with your kids even as young adults is so important to have that support system because they're going to do what they're going to do i'd rather them do it in front of my face than behind my back and i think a lot of it is just letting them be little and going through those stages Mm -hmm. letting them be teenagers and go through those stages Mm -hmm. a lot of times people have a tendency to really over exaggerate things with their children i mean look at these child stars Mm -hmm. and nfl players and Tiger Woods and you look at them and they did not have a childhood because sometimes parents will do that. They will see something within their child that in their eyes is excellent and then they strip them of their entire childhood. Out of pride. From their own ego. Yep. And then you see a lot of these people, they aren't child stars anymore and they end up having nervous breakdowns and ending up on drugs and having a lot of mental health issues Mm -hmm. because their childhood was stripped from them. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not going to that extreme, some parents do have a tendency to do that. Order their kids around from the time they wake up till the time they go to bed. You're going to be this. They label their kid because their kid's good at something like when they're five. And then they're like, no, you're going to be this. And then they make the child feel guilty. Like, I've paid for tennis lessons for five years. You're not just going to quit. And they won't let them. Yeah, I have the policy. If one of the kids sign up for something like a sport, they mm-hmm. have to finish that season out. And then they get to choose if they want to do it again. Just so they can't just quit something that they've committed to. And also, they can do whatever sport they want. Thank goodness it's not baseball. Sorry for baseball fans. I hate baseball. But, <laughs> but then you might have a child. I didn't like sport. Yeah, exactly. I had that happen mm-hmm. with me. My youngest son is athletic. He likes skateboard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But JC was so good at football. Mm-hmm. And then his older sister did cheerleading. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I put Devin in wrestling and all that stuff. And he hated it. Yeah. And I pushed him and pushed him because my kids are all doing sports. Yeah. And they have to pick a sport. I didn't. I should not have done that with him. Yeah. That hurt his pride. 
he was benched all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I ended up doing more damage than good by trying to force him. And by the time I realized it, I snatched him out middle of the season mm -hmm. when I really realized what I was doing to him. Yeah. I even had the coach like yell at me, you can't take him when he's on this field, he's mine. And I'm like, watch me. Oh, I can't believe he <laughs> yeah, said that. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh. And then I realized he's an individual. Yeah. He has to pick something, but it doesn't have to be sports. Yeah, totally. A lot of times when a kid comes into a family where everybody's sports oriented, all well, your kids are. One of them is much more into the arts, which I I'm totally mm, I love theater. See? I love And theater. so you find out what's their yeah. spark and then encourage it. Mm -hmm. But once you encourage it so far yeah. that now it's a chore for them. You're stealing that spark. You are taking that from them. Yeah. So it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's different. And so the kind of topic that we're touching on is discipline. One shoe doesn't fit all. And yeah. also one of the things that I can accept is if someone's not that good at something, but they're trying I respect that. Yeah. And if somebody's really good at something, but they're not trying, I can't respect it. I recognize that you have to approach individuals in different ways. Some people, they don't want to be put on the spot. One person might not be wanting to put on the spot. One person, you can nip it in the butt. Some people, they need their egos massaged. You as an individual need to be able to recognize when you're disciplining, you're also coaching the behaviors that you want. You need to identify as a role model and a coach to be able to get a great outcome and get that good effort out of that individual. That's how I approach disciplining my daughter is recognizing her individual characteristics and then figuring out how to get a response from her that allows her to develop better coping skills mm -hmm. and communication skills so that she knows what's right or wrong. And if she <laughs> did something, me just coming in and laying down the fear of God on her isn't going to help the situation like mm -hmm. kicking someone while they're down. And someone told me this a long time ago that when a kid's crying, like you already kind of won and you kind of have to recognize that as like a very much as a stop point. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that and they continue to, to add insult to injury. So yeah. you have to be very careful when you're disciplining and discipline doesn't necessarily always have to result in trauma. It's meant to steer them away from those bad habits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I know one of my kids is really low threshold for stress and anxiety. And so if she's even being talked to, she responds very defensively. And so talking to her is much different than talking to my other daughters or my son. Each kid, just because they're your kid, doesn't mean they're the same person, for sure. You kind of learn from your parents on what not to do. Me, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that because it traumatized me as a kid or really had a big effect. And you go into parenthood thinking you're going to be the best parent ever. Then you go through different obstacles, different life experiences. So your actions have consequences as a parent as well as they do when you're a child. Yeah. One thing that I want to talk about is cause and effect with your kids. So a lot of parents, we have a tendency to just not have the time or energy mm -hmm. when the kid is battling us on something, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of pick our battles when it comes to our kids. I remember with my daughter, I would get her clothes ready in the morning and she'd be like, I don't like that. I don't want to wear that. And every day <laughs> it was a battle. So one day I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is lay out three outfits and tell her she has her choice. That way it gives her the feeling of being in charge. She got to pick out her outfit, but I'm fine because I liked all three of them. Yeah. Or when you're like, go get your jacket on, we're about to leave. And they're like, I don't want to wear my jacket, right? And they're throwing a fit and you're zipping up their jacket and you're trying to stuff their arms into it and they're mm -hmm. wiggling all around because they're throwing a fit. They don't want to wear their jacket. Instead, maybe tell them, okay, we have a few minutes. Why don't you go step outside and see how cold it is because it's chilly out there. 
and then come back in and let me know if you want your jacket. So they go outside and there's two things that can happen. They can say, you are right, mom. Mm-hmm. And I want my jacket. It's really cold. Or they'll try to be tough and be like, it's not that bad out there. It's fine. In that case, you say, okay, well, let's just bring your jacket just in case you get cold later. You don't have to battle your kid at every single term. That well, is me... teaching them. That's yeah, cause like... and effect. You, that's something that they can learn on their own. Mm-hmm. You don't have to battle them with it. And they just had a learning experience. A lot of people feel like they're making mistakes. And a lot of times they're learning lessons. And then if you make that mistake again, then I would consider it a mistake. Mm-hmm. But I think to the point that you were talking about, to me, it breaks down to the difference between knowledge and wisdom. As a wise person, you tell your kid you need to put sunscreen on or you're going to get sunburned. And then they don't want to do it. And then they get sunburned. Now you gave them the knowledge and then now they have the wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. You can know everything about a bicycle you can know when they were invented how they're made how they're painted how to repair them but you've never rode a bicycle so you lack wisdom of really what a bike is compared to someone who has no clue how a bike's made (laughs) you definitely don't want to like rob somebody of gaining wisdom that makes sense it's not going to kill your kid to get a sunburn it's going to be really uncomfortable and nobody wants their kid to have a sunburn but unless they've had a sunburn they're not going to know what a sunburn feels like yeah you're not going to keep them out those Mm -hmm. like stage three blisters or anything like that right maybe allow them to get a little bit of a sunburn maybe allow them to be freezing cold because they didn't bring their jacket Mm -hmm. these are things that they need to learn from Mm -hmm. experience and so you're not being a drill sergeant you do this or else You let them experience that. And I think something I learned to add to what you're saying is when they decide to wear the jacket, like later on when they're like, can I have my jacket to not sit there and be like, see, I told you. Yeah, exactly. Because I've been Mm -hmm. guilty of that so many times. And that just makes the kids never want that jacket, even Mm -hmm. though they're uncomfortable. Yeah. I was probably about 10 years old and the big thing was going roller skating every weekend. Mm -hmm. And all the girls had like white skates with pink wheels. And I wanted those skates. And every weekend, I would rent the brown ones. Mm -hmm. I begged my dad. And he's like, well, they're really expensive. So you have to work for half. And I'll pay for the other half. So I'm out there, like, big black garbage bags full of debris and Mm -hmm. pine cones from the backyard and get, like, 50 cents a bag. I was doing all kinds of chores. And it took me, like, half the summer to save up. So when I finally had the money, I was so excited. We were going to go skating that night. So I was going to wear the roller skates. So we get to the store. And they had the exact ones that I wanted. They were white with pink laces pink wheels they were half a size too small Mm -hmm. and my dad's like hey do you guys have any that are her size or a little bit bigger and the guy's like nope that's the biggest size that we have we'll have more in next week my dad was like well I guess we're gonna wait till next week and I started to cry through a fit I remember that and I was like I need these right now they fit me and he's like they're gonna hurt da 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 I did not want to listen to him and he's like Mm -hmm. okay it's your money if you want to get it and as a parent That must have been so hard for him Mm -hmm. to let me buy those skates, right? Mm -hmm. And I would have probably just told my kids, no, they don't fit. Too bad. But he let me do that. I went to the roller skating rink that night. I was so happy. And a half an hour later, I was sitting on the side because Mm -hmm. my feet hurt so bad. And I'll never forget that. And I've taken like that lesson with me. Had he have not done that, I would not have learned that lesson of impulse shopping and being patient. He taught me so many lessons within that. Yeah, and if you're trying to explain something to someone, it's really important to explain the why. Not just, okay, you need to do this. And then they're left there like, well, why do I need to wear a seatbelt? Or why do I need to wear a hairnet in the kitchen or something? Mm -hmm. You can explain to that person the Mm -hmm. why. 
and then now they have more tools in their belt so once they do end up having that learning experience of their own they can fall back on okay well i've been told what to do and why and i'm still going to make this learning experience and Mm -hmm. then now you can fall back on understanding the why yeah i remember when my kids were little they would watch tv or whatever and every 10 15 minutes they would be like i want this mom look at this Mm -hmm. like i want this toy i want that toy whatever and at first i was coming from a place of scarcity and lack and poverty when my kids were little and i didn't have a lot of money so every time one of the kids would ask me they have a big smile on their face they're like mom look i want this toy I'd be like, yeah, we can't afford that right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe for Christmas or your birthday. And I was like shutting them down at every single turn. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, they're getting on my nerves, right? Yeah. Look, mom, look, I want, 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 want. Then I realized within 10 seconds, they forget that they wanted that toy. So what I started doing was just being like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Give them my attention, show them that I'm validating that they want that toy. And then they'll move on to the next thing that they want in 15 seconds. Yeah. When I started doing that, they were happier and I wasn't like shutting them down at every single turn, telling them why they can't. Because Mm -hmm. that was a big thing that happened in my life when I was a kid is I was always getting told why I couldn't do something. Yeah, because then they're going to want something and just automatically be like, oh, I'm not going to get it. it. Right. And then that's teaching them manifestation as well, because my daughter said she wanted a Barbie. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a pretty Barbie. Then a couple days later, she came to me and she's like, mom, this Barbie, I really want this one. It's a mermaid and it swims underwater and it da da da. And then, okay, now she's thought about it twice. And then she comes to me again with it and she's like, mom, can we please get that? Okay, then we need to have the talk about, let's see how much it is. Let's see how much your allowance Mm -hmm. is. You know, then you're teaching them skills with money. Yeah. You're teaching them to manifest and Mm -hmm. want something so badly that they end up getting it. Mm -hmm. Like I said, pick your battles with your kids sometimes. And if it's not going to kill them, let them experience it. Yeah. (laughs) And if they really want something, help them figure out how to get that. And if they're just saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. You don't have to argue every single thing with them. Just say, oh, wow, that's cool. Because a lot of times they just want your attention Mm -hmm. and validation. Yeah. And they move on to the next thing. I tell my kids if they want something extra, Mm -hmm. like I have chores they can do for money. You can work for it. Right. Exactly. One of my daughters was like, I want to do some chores for some money this week. And I'm like, okay, well, here's a list of stuff that needs to be done. She'll work hard for it and she'll get the stuff that she wants to buy. One day it was face cream, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like next day it's maybe a pair of pink rollerblades, but you got to work for things you want in life sometimes. So I agree. And It really helped me to communicate with my kids when I learned their love languages. And I found this little technique that was really useful. That if you look at your kid and you say, how do you know I love you? And the way they respond kind of gives you an intake to their initial love language. I looked at one of my daughters and I said, how do you know I love you? And she's like, because you cuddle me, because you hug me. And that's physical touch. And my son said, because you do things for me. And that's act of service. And my daughter says, because you put a lot of time and thought into making a present for me, like presents. And so learning their love languages really helped me connect to them as their parent because it helps to know how they're receiving love. Because my daughter that needs a hug will receive that as love. But if I get her a present, she's going to be appreciative of it, but she doesn't feel loved by that necessarily and people have oh different God, love I love that I've yeah. never done that and another thing that helped me connect to my kids better is knowing their moon signs so if you're into astrological charts and whatnot you could google it 
how to find somebody's moon sign and you literally plug in your birthday and where you were born and what time and it gives you your moon sign and the moon sign is supposed to show you how you process your emotions and I almost feel like that's more important than your sun sign. Everyone knows their sun sign usually. I'm a Libra but I am a Gemini moon and if you know a lot about astrology, Libras and Tauruses don't necessarily get along very well, an earth sign and an air sign. And my bonus kid is a Taurus. And we connect so well because we are both Gemini moons. And when she was younger and she'd have like a meltdown and my partner would be like, I can't get through to her. And I'd go have a talk with her within two minutes. She was fine. He's like, how do you do that? I'm like, we just were the same person emotionally. Which is really funny. When I met you, I called you being a Gemini. Yeah. And I kept thinking you were a Gemini, even though you told me mm-hmm. I'm a that Libra. you weren't. But I'm yeah. a Libra, Gemini, Gemini. Mm-hmm. I'm a triple A, baby. <laughs> but moving on from that, I think our biggest subject that we're about to get into, and we did a whole episode, episode 21 on shadow work. One of the things I really learned when we did the episode on shadow work, Saudi, was, man, I wish I had these tools as a child. I would have understood so much more at such a younger age, like just empathy and whatnot. We had talked about Feeding Your Demons, the book, and how it really laid out a foundation where you draw this emotion. If you're feeling unloved, like kids with trauma or whatever, you draw it into a monster. You ask that monster, what do you want from me? What do you need from me? How would you feel if you got what you needed? And most of the time it's love. They just want love. And then that Mm -hmm. transforms into something that will help you get through life in a positive light. Like JC had talked about flipping some stuff from negativity to positivity. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you really learn to empathize with people. One of the practices that I have incorporated into tradition and that I really think is really great for kids is having them sit down and be like, what's something you struggle with? And have them think about that because it shouldn't just be for adults. Right. And so my son, he gets overstimulated pretty quickly and have them draw that out and do the steps Mm -hmm. of feeding your demons and having changing that into an ally. I'm currently actually writing a children's book and when it's published, it'll be on our link tree. So check it out. But it is to teach our kids have empathy at such a young age because it is Mm -hmm. hard to be like, well, how would you feel if Sally punched you in the face, you know, or whatever? Well, if we're not showing our kids empathy yeah yes it's really significant i think to be able to meet individuals on their level to show respect Mm -hmm. without diminishing any of your standards validation Mm -hmm. yeah you should be able to at any level rich poor race anything get on that individual's level because we're all humans and we were all babies at once like a child drops their lollipop, that causes them to have a complete meltdown. Yeah. Right? And so that's the worst thing that's happening to them right now. Right. And instead of just brushing it off and just being like, oh, we'll get you a new lollipop or, oh, don't worry about it. That's insignificant. Mm-hmm. We're not showing empathy yeah. for that child. And that child is crying and freaking out and his nervous system is going crazy. Yep. And that is so real to that child. Mm -hmm. So exactly what JC was talking about, putting yourself down on that level, getting to where they are and helping them through that. That's how they're going to learn empathy. If you're not getting that empathy from your parents and you're not being shown that, you don't grow up with it. Yeah. One of my kids would talk about this girl, how she has no friends and nobody likes her. And I'm like, well, I feel sorry for her. That must be really lonely. And really sad. How would mm-hmm. you feel if nobody liked you? Right. It does help in a sense, but it only helps so far. Being putting yourself in somebody's shoes is halfway, but reflecting your own demons and mm-hmm. feeding them love and really right. getting to the root of it, which is love, is so important. 
and it's it's something most adults don't know how to do. Could you imagine a world full of children that are learning this? It is because there's a lot of children that I interact with. I'm lucky to have like a big family and mm-hmm. around a lot of different kids just to see how much further they are on so many different levels, adults that I know. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I know things get dark and gloomy and stuff like that, but I definitely have a very positive outlook in the future, just knowing the kids I know. Learning from them and with them as they go. Yeah. Because it is hard raising kids, but there's also so many beautiful aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And just so much learning and growth. Being a mom taught me so much. Yeah. And being a grandmother, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still yeah. learning from my kids that mm-hmm. are adults now. They're still teaching me. Yeah. And it's beautiful to watch that as your friend and to learn from you. Rocks in a pond. (laughs) Community, family. Um, So I wanted to talk about was my husband's aunt. And I just Mm. recently found this out. She is a life coach. Mm. And her name's Angela. And you can find her on Instagram at Money Coach Angela. And her whole business is about empowering women with their finances. And through that, breaking generational cycles of poverty and then teaching our children how to be empowered Mm -hmm. with finances. She has a psychology degree. She does breath work. She's breath work certified and does workshops. She basically uses psychology and spirituality to transform limiting beliefs for financial freedom. She posted a story that I just found synchronistically. Of course. (laughs) Two days ago, (laughs) right before we ended up doing this. So I want to read the story to everybody. Yeah. Because I really think that it ties in. And I labeled it Ruby's story. That's her daughter's name. She said, last year, I got a flat tire on my way home with my daughter. When I called roadside assistance, the gal informed me that my roadside insurance had lapsed, although my insurance was intact. Riddle me that. She said that she could add roadside back to the policy, but it would be 48 hours before I could use it. She could still call it in, but it would be two to $300 out of pocket. So years ago, I would have argued with the gal about the lapse in the insurance, and I would have thought, oh, great, one more thing to go wrong, and why me? I would have felt angry and defeated, and I would have created a negative association for my daughter, and she would have believed that getting a flat tire was an awful experience. Instead, I looked back at Ruby and said, looks like it's a great day to learn how to change a tire. And after a short YouTube video tutorial, we got to work, and 30 minutes later, we were back on the road. The next day, we went to the tire station and found out it was $900 for new tires. And a year ago, that would have sent me into an absolute panic. How could I afford that? What would we have to go without to make this work? And how long could I drive on a spare? But on this day, I handed over my debit card with so much gratitude knowing that I was saved. As my thoughts about money have improved, so have my money management skills. And I know now that money is safe to hold and safe to spend. Because I didn't feel the stress about money, I was able to create a positive experience for Ruby and I. And now Ruby thinks that getting a flat tire is fun because we had fun in the process through it. It's so beautiful. We can choose to feel defeated or empowered. Both of those choices will have a significant impact on your life and the way that your children will grow to see the world. So I thought that was just like a super powerful story, and it ties into everything that we were talking it about really right does. now. And I really actually want to have her on another show as a guest speaker. Yeah. But those are things that we do for our children, make things positive or negative. Like my daughter was just telling me she has little boys one and two and she lets them play with bugs and things like that at the park it's gross but she lets them do it but they're terrified of spiders and they won't 
get near a spider because she's terrified of spiders. Yeah. So she has instilled being terrified of spiders to mm. those kids. If you say spider, they start crying. Oh. This whole thing to wrap it up in a nutshell is basically just be conscious of what you're doing because you are affecting your children. Mm-hmm. And just being more conscious of what you're yeah. doing. You can create negative experiences or positive experiences. It's being mindful of creating positive experience and positive right. impact. And it teaches us as well. Mm-hmm. And you never know, she could have been alone in her car and that happened and she could have melted down. But because her daughter was watching, mm-hmm. I can't speak for her, but I yeah. can imagine that her daughter was there. She was looking at her. She was like, what do we do, mom? And she sucked it up. And she taught her daughter how to change a tire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you have any other final thoughts you want to add? Like the... Thank you guys again for letting me be on your platform and giving me the privilege again to be your first guest. Um, And as a first guest, have you guys done shout outs? I want to do one to my daughter, Irie. I love you. I also want to say thank you to anyone who's listened to this podcast. And I really hope that you have taken something away from this because I sure know I have. And thank you. JC, thank you so much for being on our episode and being our first guest and sharing in your wisdom and your experience. And again, if you want to check out JC's music, go to Spotify or any music platforms and look up Wabi Sabi. We will have the name in the description of the episode. That wraps up the season three starter of Lionscape Podcast with Sade and Omni. Don't forget to keep your minds open. Namaste.